we'll be up home. We get to see our fans in Berea, which we're very excited about. Uh, and then it's all part of the process, still coming along, still work to do. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Tonight, you'll find out how the Browns are preparing for the season at team headquarters in Berea. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Good evening and welcome in to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Nathan Zagura alongside the three-time, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion, Gerard Cherry. And Gerard, we got to see a game last week. It was the Hall of Fame game. None of the starters, obviously, but it was fun to see. But before we get into breaking that down, I just want to let everybody know we're going to hear from the head coach here, Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski. In about 20 minutes, we're also going to hear from Browns wide receiver and one of the stars of that Hall of Fame game, Austin Watkins, an interesting young man, an interesting story, and, and obviously a familial connection to the NFL. We're going to go around the league. We've got a lot coming up for you. But Gerard, first and foremost, how the heck are you, brother? It's great to see you. I am doing great, Nate Dog. No complaints. It's still sunny outside. We're not dealing with minus 32 degree temperature. So until that day comes, you'll hear and have no complaints for yours truly. I like that. Listen, Gerard, as I know, as a man who spent many years on the sideline, you're now the sideline reporter for the Cleveland Browns. Good weather is an absolute premium. That is what you want. That is what you crave. You don't want any of the madness. And we did have a little inclement weather here in Cleveland yesterday. We saw it out at practice. The Browns practicing a little bit of a deluge for a time there. But let's go back to the Hall of Fame game. Let's start there. 21-16 Browns against the New York Jets. And young guys playing for their NFL lives, and I thought quite a few of them made an impression, especially the draft picks in the 2023 draft class, Gerard. Uh, certainly, and I felt our twos and threes were ultimately better than the Jets' twos and threes, and that's the backbone of your football team. So you want to see what takes place on the practice field transfer to the game day-like conditions, which it was because it was a preseason game, and it doesn't count in the big scheme of things, but obviously from an evaluation standpoint, it was tremendous. You saw DTR. You saw... Watkins, as you just mentioned, you saw some other guys like Felton as well as Kelly show up and show out and sh and give the note to the coaches and evaluators that are evaluating them that, hey, take us into serious consideration as having impact on this football team, not in the distant future, but now. So I was definitely encouraged by what I saw. And then on the defensive side of the ball, too, you had a couple flashes from a couple guys in the secondary in particular, one and Thomas, the linebacker, the hit that he put on out there, one play, but it was certainly a very physical play to say the least. So I like what I saw and the fact that we won the game. And for me, I care about winning games. I care about winning preseason games. And I love the fact that in the second half, even with the distraction of the lights going off, Nathan, Nathan yep. that we still managed to keep our focus and go out there and win the game. 
You're exactly right. Down at the half, 16 to 7. The Browns beat the Jets 14 to nothing in that second half. Dorian Thompson Robinson, we'll talk about him in a second. Great job. The defense, you mentioned Charlie Thomas. He goes out there with the hit of the game. And Gerard, you're going to be able to speak on this. I can't. I only can tell you what I've heard. So earlier today on Cleveland Browns Daily, I interviewed Browns linebacker coach Jason Tarver. And I asked him, I said, okay. To me, that was the defensive play of the game. It looked like Charlie Thomas kicked it into another gear, and he was so productive at Georgia Tech, over 100 tackles, but kicked it another gear, sideline to sideline, hits the, the ball carrier, decleats him, ball pops out, and that got everybody fired up. So I asked him, I said, take me into the, the meeting rooms, right? Is this a play that you're showing in the defensive meeting rooms? Is this a play that's only in the linebacker meeting room? What he told me was, this was shown in the defensive meeting room, and Jim Schwartz said, from now on, when anybody lays a hit like that, it's called a Charlie. So, number one, <laughs> take me into the room as another player. as Give me kind of the perspective. If you were Charlie Thomas, what that means to you, and then also for everybody else, you hear that, you hear a defense coordinator give props like that to an undrafted free agent who went out there and busted his butt and gave a highlight type of a hit. Well, first and foremost, if you're Charlie Thomas the third, let's get the – that's right. The fact that you are being mentioned, that something's going to be labeled after your effort, that's what you first and foremost want to have occur because you're a nobody. You're a no-name. They might even make you put your name on your helmet. That's how bad it could be for an undrafted free agent. So the fact that he made that play, and you got to give credit where it's due because that was one heck of a hit. And if you are in a defensive meeting room, you're saying this is how it should be done because that is exactly how it should be done. That's the type of tempo, that's the type of intensity, and that's the type of violence that you want to deliver if you want to change the mantra and the message of this defense and what it represents as far as saying that, hey, we're going to be deep, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to go out there and make sure that you feel our presence when we're on the football field. So that is tremendous that they're going to call it Charlie, and it fits too. It seems so apropos. Yeah. I'm going to call that a Charlie. But more importantly for Charlie, he's, he's there. But what you do, that's not just watching a defensive linebacker room, Nathan. That's watching the secondary room again because when it comes up, you can't avoid it because yep. everyone's watching the plays over and over again, and that's what you call a seven-time a seven time rewind. Watch it from that angle, from the end zone angle a couple times, sideline angle about four times, and you just keep going over because that's something that you want to celebrate. It's still a physical game. We don't want to see anyone get hurt, and obviously the referees told the young man who got hit by Charlie, took him out of the game for concussion protocol, but at the end of the day, you still want to play that type of defense and give that type of effort. So, yes, I'm going to start calling a Charlie. It's a Charlie. It's a Charlie. You love it. And that, I think, is cool. And I think that's one of the things that's so cool about Jim Schwartz. You know, he wore Jordan Kunashik's jersey the very first practice, you know, to say that I like the way this guy's been a pro. I like what he's been doing for us. Calls out Charlie. Now big hits are Charlie's. Like, I think that that – so one of the things I asked somebody, I want to ask you about this because – you have been in, you know, a, obviously a premier organization, and you've been one with, around Bill Belichick. And obviously Jim Schwartz was with Bill Belichick back in 1994. For people who've watched that documentary, they know that. That's where he started kind of, as, in his words, as a slappy on that staff. Fast forward now, multi-time defensive coordinator, former head coach, all of it, Super Bowl champion. The list goes on and on. But what I was told by somebody on that staff, and also corroborated by a player, is that Jim Schwartz makes everybody feel 
the same. And what I mean by that is he treats everybody the same from the superstars down to, say, an undrafted free agent like a Charlie Thomas. He holds them all to the same standard, but he also makes it very clear to them that he is fully invested in them reaching their full potential. Now, that potential is going to be on a sliding scale, but that he wants everybody he's in contact with, he cares about them becoming the best version of themselves they can be. So I don't know if you've had a coach that you felt did that for you, but if that is the sentiment that is coming out of this locker room, if that's the sentiment that's coming out from other coaches, what does that say to you? That speaks volumes to me. And the reason why it does is because one of the things that I learned from Bill and one of the things that you learn once you're on a really good football team in a successful organization is that everyone needs to feel as if they have a stake and that they matter mm-hmm. and that their effort, be it small or large, in contribution has an impact. Bill would stand up in front of the team and talk about the importance of though you may just be on special teams, though you may have one player, maybe 60 to 65 plays, that one play as a collective adds up and that ultimately everyone needs to take stake in this team because we're all in it together. So if you have Coach Schwartz preaching that message that, hey, I'm going to do my best not to show favoritism. I'm going to do my best to show everyone that they matter and that's sincere and guys feel that and appreciate that, that's the type of effort you're going to get from a – you're going to get great effort because guys are going to buy in, simply put, because they're being treated with respect and dignity. And that stuff matters in a locker room. And especially if you're talking about camaraderie and having guys come together as one, that's one of the staples. You have to have your leaders, your decision makers, actively doing things to make and let guys know that, hey, here – I don't care if you're an undrafted guy. We're going to respect you. I'm going to wear your jersey. I'm going to build camaraderie. I'm going to show you that you matter. Just as much as Miles matters, guess what, Charlie? You matter. Will you have the same impact from a pay standpoint or from a from a being on the football standpoint? No, you won't. But guess what? Ultimately, you matter, and we need you. And when you have that type of sentiment building in your locker room, Nathan, that's how you get the camaraderie. That's how you get guys buying into this idea that we're here for more than just collecting a paycheck. Yeah, and I think that's how you get a defense that, without any starters playing, holds the New York Jets to, at one point, 0 of 10 on third down. They finished 2 of 12 on third down, 0 for 2 on fourth down. They completed 10 of their 23 pass attempts. That is crazy, below 50% in the modern NFL. And I think you see these guys have bought in and that they are absolutely playing for Jim Schwartz. I thought our defense absolutely stood out. Some of those young linebackers talked about some of the guys in the secondary, whether it be Cam Mitchell, the draft pick out of Northwestern, Caleb Biggers, I thought, Mm -hmm. had a great game, Bubba Bolden. As I talked with his safety coach, Ephraim Banda, he said, you know, the ball just finds him, and he comes up with the interception to seal the game. But I want to talk about you were down on the sideline. I felt it from the booth. I'm curious if you did from the sideline, and I think you did give a sideline report to that effect, so I think I already know your answer. But when Dorian Thompson-Robinson came in, the energy was different. The production was different. It just felt like a completely different Cleveland Browns football team. It did. It was almost the offense was freed up, and they just started moving at a whole other level, and the defense vibed off of it as well and yep. took it to another level because you simply outplayed the Jets in the second half of that football game, and the catalyst to it for me was DTR and how he played and just doing things like blocking. Though you probably don't want your quarterback to make a block like that, that type of response, that type of effort on his part is going to have his teammates in love with him and wanting to play for him because that's the type of thing where it will get you fired up. And then just his ability to make plays and the level of excitement that he brings and just how he had control of the offense as well, Nathan. So, heck, yeah, you could, you could feel it. You could sense it. There was 
uh, energy far as guys into the game, paying attention to the game from the veterans who weren't playing, they got interested in the yes. game more so because yes. I'm always looking for that as well. Now, we're obviously, we're not going to report that, hey, the veterans aren't really into this game, but once DTR took to the field, you can sense and tell that they were watching as well. They wanted to see it. I talked with a lot of the guys who are veterans, who are starters on that defense, and the, the theme was consistent. I went around and I asked a lot of people, took a little strapple, who do you want to see today? And the number one answer was DTR, because a lot of guys on that defense are like, dude, this kid is a baller. 8 of 11, 82 yards, throws for a touchdown, quarterback rating to 124, runs six times for 36 yards, gives the block that springs his UCLA teammate. They shared a backfield together, and you could tell Demetric felt looked so comfortable. He had seven yes. carries for 46 and a touchdown, and that touchdown sprung, of course, by the block of DTR, added two catches for nine yards as well. I thought that that was just kind of, that was a fun thing to see, and it was an exciting thing to see for the Cleveland Browns. Now, Kellen Mond, he started for you. A couple of turnovers. One was not his fault. One was on Anthony Schwartz. He did throw an interception. Those led to 10 points. And this defense, really, if you think about it, of the 16 points they gave up, they really only gave up three. Three mm -hmm. were by special teams at the end of the first half and 10 off of the turnovers that all occurred already within field goal range of the Cleveland Browns. So great job there. But yeah, DTR brought some juice. And then I thought Cedric Tillman had a great performance. Think about the mm -hmm. draft picks, right? DTR, Cedric Tillman, two catches, 35 yards. That route that he ran on that third and 13, the comeback where he was getting held and created all that separation to get 20 yards, that was nasty. Dewan Jones plays every snap at right, right tackle and doesn't give up a pressure in the game. Big fan of Luke Whipler doesn't give up a pressure and had some incredible second-level blocks and the ability to move people. This was a good showing from the draft class, and I think it had to be very encouraging to Andrew Barry, Paul DePodesta, and, of course, our head coach, Kevin Stefanski. Heck yeah, and think about it. These aren't first and second round picks we're talking about. These are guys that are found right. in the latter stages of the draft, which makes it even more impressive that they went out there and had the performances that they were able to present. All right, so not all good news for the Browns. Coming out of that, the win, that is good news. But we've had some injuries in that game and since that game. Now, the good news, not any starters. Bad news, guys that we're counting on to provide quality minutes and snaps at depth positions. We'll start on the defensive line. Both Isaiah Thomas and Alex Wright were operated on today at University Hospitals by Team Doctor, Dr. Voos. They expected to miss some time with those knee injuries coming off of those arthroscopic procedures. Alex Wright last year's third-round pick. Isaiah Thomas, very productive as a seventh-round pick last year. He actually notched a sack of Joe Burrow on that Monday night game. On the offense, Drew Forbes was carted off yesterday out of an abundance of precaution. He does have a back injury, though. He was slated to be, I believe, our number three guard. And then Jerome Ford, here's the big one, expected to miss some time with the right hamstring issue. He was not even in the game at the Hall of Fame game, so you know this was somebody who is slated to be the number two back. So my question for you, Gerard, is do the Browns need to add somebody either on the defensive line or certainly in that running back room now because no Kareem Hunt anymore, no Dearness Johnson. It's a new era there behind Nick Chubb. Well, based upon what I saw Kelly and Felton do this past, and I grant it, it was against the twos and threes, I want to see what they do with the ones and the twos. And if they can continue that type of progress that they showed last week, keep it the way it is. I have no problem with that. And as far as the defensive line is concerned, you're still in the early stages of camp. Though it may not seem like that because of the Greenbrier experience, you might want to bring in some more defensive ends just to see if, hey, some guys can fill that void with two guys, as you said before, who are looking to be guys who are going to be in the rotation are no longer available due to injury. 
Yeah. The good news is your top three guys, and really Isaiah McGuire, he was going to be competing with Alex Wright to be that number four. They're still there for you in that room. By the way, you can get your Cleveland Browns single game tickets now for all the great matchups at Cleveland Browns Stadium. Visit clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to purchase today. You're going to hear in a few minutes from the head coach of Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, but Gerard, just real quickly here, what's the biggest thing to watch for in game two, knowing that some, if not all, but I think some, probably not all, starters will get an opportunity against the commanders well you want to see continuity on the offensive side of the ball you want to see them moving up and down the football field you want to see deshaun watson gain confidence being back under the center and playing in the game because obviously when he came back with his 12th week of the season it wasn't his best effort so you want to see him build confidence and offense move and adjust around his ability to make plays and then defensively you want to see that same level of intensity the ability to get off the football field but i think one thing we're missing nathan in all this we need to see the special teams. It's a yes. three-phase game. They're going to have to step up because I mentioned this in the broadcast. You do not want to put yourself in a situation as a two or three where you find yourself competing with the guys they're bringing from other rosters because you're not holding up your end of the bargain on the special teams unit. Yeah, we didn't talk. We talked about a lot of the positives in that game, the negatives in that game. Special teams, Cade York misses a field goal. You give up a big return at the end of the first half that directly leads to three points. We had some penalties there. That was not the highlight there. And I, I have full confidence Bob Ventrone's going to get those guys going. And the truth is, none of the guys playing this game are going to be playing special teams for the Browns when it matters. But you want to see that unit certainly tidy itself up. Training camp is finally here, and the Cleveland Browns 50-50 raffle is open now. Go to the Browns mobile app or browns5050.com to purchase and learn more. Get your tickets for a kickoff of the Browns Commanders on August 11th, and you can take advantage of the Joe Thomas special, the Hoff special. You can get 400 tickets. What? 400 tickets for only $73. That's right, 400 tickets for only $73. Don't miss your chance to win big while supporting local youth. When we come back, you're going to hear from the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, and you are listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Joined now by the head coach of your Browns, Kevin Stefanski. And Coach, let's go back last week kind of a special week for this organization and we'll talk about the game but what did you take away from just the whole hall of fame week experience that the organization went through that you were able to go through and that, that the team went through yeah i mean from my perspective nathan i was humbled to be a part of it uh to be sitting there front row at jim brown's memorial sitting next to uh, the joe thomas who was going into the hall the next day and uh, just to experience that and see the amount of people that uh, come up and can attest for the person, for the player that Jim Brown was, was, was powerful. And I, I was so happy that our players, a few of our guys were able to make it down there and, and see that and, and talk about a legend of our game, somebody who made a huge impact on our society. So that was special. And then to go into the game and, and celebrating Joe's career and, and just all that went into it, I think was, was so important for Joe, for his family and, and the person he is, and then for our organization, for our fans, uh, for Northeast Ohio, to be able to experience that and celebrate someone of Joe's caliber, I thought was special. Did you come out of this weekend learning anything about Joe that you didn't already know? Because I know you knew he was a great player. I know you've been around him. He was a great guy. But was there anything that maybe surprised you or, or made you go, oh, that's pretty cool? I would just say being able there to, 
uh, I was able to sneak down to his party uh, that night after the enshrinement and just to really show my respect, show, hey, shake his hands, uh, congratulate him. Uh, he had about 400 other people that he had to uh, make sure he saw. But just to see his young kids and to see him share that with his family, uh, I thought that, w- that was pretty special. He shared a cool story with us. His son loves Kurt Warner, watched the movie about Kurt Warner, and so brought Kurt Warner's card to Joe's party. And, of course, Kurt, a Hall of Famer himself, came and immediately went over to Joe's son. And Joe was like, that's just – like, he thought that was the coolest. Yeah, how cool is that? I mean, I'm standing there, and, and there's Kurt Warner. Uh, there's Calvin Johnson. So me, you know, I, I'm, I'm a fan of this game. I, I grew up loving this game. And to be able to see uh, different legends of our game, you know, just to be a fly on the wall was, was unbelievable. Bo and I were sitting by the, the lake. We're getting ready for the fireworks. All of a sudden, a car pulls up. And from the distance, it looked like, oh, these guys are all wearing gold jackets. So I kind of walked up behind them. And, and sure enough, it was uh, Walter Jones, Steve Hutchinson, Baselli, Tim Brown, Megatron, Leroy Butler, and Andre Reed. Just like walking in as a Hall of Fame group, just walking together. I'm like, this is nuts. Yeah, you feel it's surreal. Uh, But for me, I wish I could have stayed. It was a school night, so I had to hustle home, uh, head up the road. But just I would have loved to have stayed and just hear those guys talk to each other uh, about their past, about what they went through. Uh, But again, just to for me to be a part of that uh, was humbling. By the way, Megatron still looks like he could play right now. See, I was in the division with him, so I was with the Vikings when he came in. I'll never forget, he caught a shallow cross, and he was coming at our Viking sideline. He turned the corner, and it was like a gazelle just running up that sideline. He took, I think, like two steps to go 20 yards. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Pretty darn good player there. All right, let's talk about that Hall of Fame game because it's always an opportunity. You know, the starters did not play an opportunity for some of the young guys, and, and I thought a pretty darn good accounting of themselves in many cases. What did you kind of big picture take away? And then we'll talk some specifics. Yeah, big picture. It's it's get to see guys compete, and and it's not practice, and and it's they're keeping score. That's what we told the guys. Hey, listen, they're keeping scores. Anytime they're doing that, we're going to try and win. So, I love to watch them compete. It was far from perfect. Uh, it, it was sloppy, uh, and we expected that really for where that game is and when they're playing that game and and where you are uh, as a team preparation wise. It's going to be sloppy. Uh, probably more flags than I wanted, and I'm sure that the people watching at home wanted wanted to see. Uh, but those are those are great teaching moments, and some of the things that happen in that game, although it was with some of our backups, our starters can learn from that. So the tape of watching that game versus another opponent was so valuable because we spent a lot of time against each other now to go up with some different schemes. And and there's enough, as you know, nuance to different offenses and defenses where you can really spend a lot of time on one play. Say, all right, here, let's go watch this. Look at how their safeties play this. Totally different than our safeties. Maybe it's the same coverage. Uh, So I think we can learn from all that. All right, let's get into some specifics. I thought your rookie class, a lot of them had very nice nights. We'll start with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. The quarterback comes in 8 of 11, leads two touchdown drives of more than 75 yards, including his first one where he went 93 yards, showing the throws, the legs, and the blocking ability. I'm not sure if you said, great, don't do that again, but what did you make of DTR? Yeah, Dorian, I thought, uh, functioned well for the most part, which can be a challenge for young quarterbacks, as, as you can imagine, first time in a game. The, the plays coming in through their helmet and they're calling the plays for uh, 10 other guys in the huddle that are looking at them with some pretty bright big eyes because it's the first opportunity for them. So I thought he ran the, the system pretty well. Not perfect. Uh, there's AVP spent some time with him that, that next day. Okay, here's where you can do Here's a, a read that you could have had better. Here's a run check that you could have done better. Here's some better footwork. Sure. Having said all that, you got to make plays at that position. And I thought that's what he did throughout the night. He made plays sometimes with his arms, sometimes with his feet. 
about the ball to Austin Watkins. I talked to him after the game, and he said he had seen a look, and he knew that play, so he talked to you, and, and then you called it, and boom, what did you make on that one? Yeah, we ran it earlier uh, with Kellen, and Kellen got through the progression to, to – I think he got to the running back. Maybe we did, it was a, a drop. Uh, but you saw that coverage was the same exact coverage that Dorian ended up getting in the second half. And that's an example of what happens in games. You run something, you look at it, you say, hey, if you stay with this primary read one one click longer, you, you may have this throw. And sure enough, we got the same exact coverage. So Dorian really took what he learned on a rep that he didn't get. He took what he learned from Kellen's rep and applied it. And I thought Austin ran a really good route, and the guys connected. Austin feels like they have a nice connection, he and Dorian. We saw it at the Greenbrier, kind of carried over. He's got, it seems like maybe he's got a little bit of juice to him. Yeah, I've been impressed with, with uh, Austin. He, he runs good routes. He catches the ball. Uh, I know he played in, in some spring leagues, so he's really in football shape, quote unquote. And uh, he's, he's made plays in practice, like you mentioned, played, made plays in that game. It's a competitive room, and I think that's the beauty of, of where we are in training camp right now. Uh, we have some very, very competitive positions for the starting spot, for the backup spot, for roster spots, for practice squad spots. Uh, so anytime you can go out there and show what you can do, I think it helps your resume. Big Thanos went the whole way at right tackle, did not allow a pressure, had some pretty impressive tape that he put out there, I would say, and showed the conditioning, the, the work that he put in this offseason. What did you think of that from a, from a young man from Ohio State? Yeah, I thought Dewan did a nice job. I think there's always room to grow, as you can imagine. He knew going in that game with our numbers, he was going to have to play the entire game. And uh, that's somewhat easier said than done, especially for the, our big guys, you know, up front, yeah. offensive line, defensive line. So he pushed through it. Again, as, as you know, with Coach Callahan, he has very, very high standards. And, and I think there's plays that Dewan will get better at with just reps. You know, there's certain plays I can still see some of his down blocks where they weren't real clean. He wasn't using the technique. And that's what practice is for. And, and if you know anything about Coach Callahan and Coach Peters, you're, you're going to put the work in. So uh, it's all all correctable things that, that you see from young players. And I say it all the time after these games. You, our job as coaches are to identify those things. And then together, we work to correct them. I'd slip to the defensive side real quickly. Pitch a shutout in the second half. At one point, they were held the Jets to 0 for 10 on third downs, stopped them on a fourth down. Young guys flying all over. I've heard that now big hits are called Charlie's after Charlie Thomas, sideline to sideline, decleater. What did he see from this group? Because I'll tell you what, from the booth, it was fun to watch them fly to the ball. Yeah, and that's our defense. You, you, you got to fly around, and, and you have to attack off the line of scrimmage. You got to attack the ball when it's in the air. You got an interception there late in the game. So that was good to see. Uh, again, I think the stress of playing in your first game under the lights and all those things, you, you see technique kind of go out the window, but I didn't see effort go out the window. So the effort was there really from snap one to snap 70 of guys flying around. And, and, and really, you know, I'd give credit to the guys who didn't play in the game. Uh, we really t talked to them and, and told them, hey, you're there to support your teammates. They're going to need your help both when they come off the field, when they're, when they're on the field. Uh, and I thought the support was outstanding for the rest of the group. All right, so we move forward out of that game, and now we've got a game coming up Friday night against the Commanders. And I know you're going to talk to the team tomorrow, but just from maybe without getting into any specifics, can you give us an idea of you know what the thought process is on who will play and also maybe how long, if any of the starters do go? We will play starters. Uh, we'll talk about that as a team tomorrow, about the plan on who's playing and for how long. Uh, it won't be for two quarters, but we'll get our starters some work in this game. I think now's the appropriate time in training camp to go into a game, get through pregame uh, warm-ups, come out of the locker room, play against a good football team, uh, and then continue to get reps for your twos and threes as you try to sort out some tough roster decisions. But we definitely will play some of our starters. What's the number one thing you hope you get from your starters in this game? 
just a continuation of, of everything they're doing right now. We're, we are in training camp mode, even though it's a preseason game. So that means we're trying to accomplish things. We're trying to uh, accomplish maybe some different techniques. We're going to put some maybe new plays that we don't have a ton of reps on. Let's go get reps in a game setting so that the quarterback or the receivers or, or our defensive backs, we can get comfortable with some of our new techniques. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck on Friday. Thanks, Nathan. All right, we'll be back with more of the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. This is Browns running back Nick Chubb. This is Browns defensive end Miles Garrett. This is Greg Newsom II, and you are listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network and very happy now to be joined by a new Brown and one of the stars of the Hall of Fame game, wide receiver Austin Watkins. Austin, first of all, congratulations on being here. Congratulations on your performance and, and welcome to the Browns. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's go. Let's start back. So you came in here, a familiar face, at least one, right? Alex Wright, your teammate at Alabama, Birmingham. How was that coming in, at least knowing that you knew somebody right when you got in the locker room? Yeah, it was just more comfortable. I had somebody there that I knew for a long period of time, and we were real tight, so it was very comfortable. What's something funny you can tell us about Alex Wright? Uh, Alex Wright really don't talk that much. He really quiet. <laughs> he really don't talk that much. Yeah. He's a musician, that's why. He's a quiet musician. Yeah, he really definitely just all work. All right, let's talk about how you kind of got here. So come out of Alabama, Birmingham, you spent some time with the Niners, a couple other teams, go to the USFL, win a championship with the Birmingham Stallions. What was that kind of journey for you like until the moment you got the call, hey, we need you here with the Cleveland Browns? Uh, everything up to the USFL was just like a lot of upsets and a lot of down, and it was just bad. Like I had to just find God and like, like find, find my why and, and just put all my faith in God. So when I got to USFL, I had got closer with God, and God just been, and now I'm here. Like, just put, like, God just got me here. I love it. So you come in, and I remember you come in, like, basically as we're going to the Greenbrier. Not a bad way to start, right? Let's go to a five-star resort for your first week with your new NFL team. What did you think of that whole experience? Uh, it was a good experience, man. I, I had uh, came to Greensboro. I was just shocked. And then uh, I was playing with my favorite receiver, too. So it's just like I'm, like, out there playing with Coop. So it's just like. It felt good to be out there with him and just learning with Elijah. It just, it just felt good, like I was in the movie. So Amari Cooper is your favorite receiver? Yeah, Amari Cooper and Michael Thomas and Captain Ridley. I love it. So how did Amari become your guy? Uh, before I even started playing football, I used to always watch him. I used to watch him on YouTube, him, Sammy, uh, Calvin, uh, Jared Judy, all the Florida guys. I used to always watch him. That's before I even played, played football. And I know you mentioned Sammy in there, Sammy, of course, your cousin, Sammy Watkins. What's the kind of, how's he been as a mentor for you, somebody who obviously very successful in this league? And then I'm going to find out, I hope he gave you some props, give you some flowers after that Hall of Fame game. But what's it like having Sammy in your life as a cousin who's, who's done it in this league at a high level? Uh, it's definitely, like, he's my role model. Like, I, I model, like, not even my game, but just my life. Like, after him, like, he's such an uh, upright person, and he's just all about family and hard work. So I try to, like, model my whole life around him. He gave me hope uh, as a little kid. Like, the whole city hope for real, because uh, he, he, like, really the first one that did it, and I seen him, like, really, like, work. So, like, he gave me hope. Like, that's my idol. I love that. By the way, does Amari know that, that, he was your, that he's your guy? Uh, he probably do not. I really don't. I'm, I'm really a quiet guy too, so I really don't talk too much either. I just, I, he probably do how much I watch him. So every time, like, he probably catch me staring at him because like I'm watching everything he do. 
He's a darn good route runner. Yeah, damn, yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, he's yeah. he, he the truth. Yeah, you can learn a lot from him. All right, so you come in at the Greenbrier, and what I this is what I remember is watching you is immediately you kind of jumped up. Good size, you got some speed, you can run. I remember when DTR finally got his first team reps. He had the play rolled out to the left. You're smiling already. Hit you for about 40 yards for a touchdown. Was that kind of a play for you where you're like, all right, yeah, I can do this. I, I know I can. I, I belong here with this team. Yeah, definitely. Like it got me more loose. Like okay, like okay, it's just like just just like playing ball. Like come on, you know what I'm saying? You've been doing your whole life. Exactly. All right. So we go to the Hall of Fame game and you know this is going to be an opportunity. Starters aren't playing. This is an opportunity for young guys to come in and kind of steal the show, steal the spotlight. So when you finally got in there, what was kind of going through your mind when you finally got to get on the field? Don't mess up. <laughs> That's the only thing going in my head. Like I was just going through the place. I've been studying like every day to like 12, 12 at night. So like I really was just trying to make my weakness my strength. So I was just trying to make that playbook my strength. So I was just trying to like just be correct. I really, really wasn't worried about the plays and I mean not the plays but the like the um like scoring or, or making the catch or anything. I was just worried really worried about lining up right and, and doing what my job is to do. Because you was I know you said spend time with Kyle Shan, he's very exacting. Chad O'Shea's very exacting, very detail oriented as well. So assignment alignment, that's part one. Now part two is you get to run the routes and you get to catch the ball. You did that very well. Two targets, two catches, thirty-five yards, and of course the touchdown. Let's talk about that touchdown. Beautiful route. You created a ton of separation on that slam, then DTR put it, I mean, literally kind of threw you into the end zone. You caught it right in the end zone. So when did you know before the play? Because I know DTR had seen somewhere he thought that that play was gonna work. Did you know before the play you were probably getting the ball and this was a chance? Uh, nah, I ain't know I was getting the ball until I seen it. Um, it was like a slant backside, but I thought he was gonna work uh, the, the two other two other routes. But I had user release and DT. Uh, he got trust in me. I got trust in him, and it was a great play. So what went through your mind once you caught it? You were in the end zone. You're like, all right, I just came in first game of the Browns touchdown. Uh, it was just a wonderful feeling. Like God did that one for me, boy. He did that one for me. What'd your teammates say to you? Uh, they're just telling me keep going. Like uh, Deshaun, told me like it's coming. Be ready. It's coming. Be ready. That, that, was, that was after like all the lights went off. Deshaun just telling me be ready. Just be ready. It's coming. So I was just trying to be ready. That's got to be cool, right? Yeah. That they have the you know, Deshaun could be in these games to see that he's that locked in and cares about all you guys on the team. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, Deshaun, Deshaun, a real one. I, since I've been here, anything I needed him and Dawes, DTR, all the Mons, all them, um, they just been looking out to me, putting me under their wing. Like the quarterbacks, they they, they real deal. That's awesome. Well, that means they see something in you, and they know that it's a relationship that helps everybody, right? When the quarterbacks and receivers are on the same page, you get to make plays, they get to make plays, so it all works out. Whenever a receiver makes a play, the quarterback's also making a play. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> so it's good. Everybody wins. A lot of winning. That's what we want to see. What did uh, Sammy say to you after, after that game and the touchdown? Uh, he was just telling me to keep working, never get satisfied. He was just telling me that ain't, that ain't nothing, just told me to keep going. All right, I would like maybe a little more positive. Like it's a nice route, but then also keep going. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. 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 What's something you want Cleveland Browns fans to know about you? Uh, just I'm a hard worker. Um, I put God first, not and I, and I bring my 110 percent every day. I'm just a hard worker. Awesome. It is a pleasure getting to know you. Great seeing you out there. Have that success. Keep it going, man. Everybody's rooting for you. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Nice meeting. Right, nice meeting you too. All right. We'll be back with more of the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. 
All right, welcome back. Be a part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL. Join the Brown season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. Gerard, we just heard from Austin Watkins, and when you're a guy, you know, you've bounced around. You heard him talk about it at one point. His kind of faith was broken. He goes and plays in the USFL. He's the cousin of Sammy Watkins, so he also knows what it's like to have a family member who's played in the league you know when you hear that kind of a story and then he's able to come out and have some success you know what what does that make you feel and what did you see from Austin Watkins is he a guy that you know maybe has a chance here with the Cleveland Browns yeah I certainly believe he does Nathan and I took notice of Austin Watkins and practice number two or three in which they were doing gunner work yep, and I watched Greenbrier and I watched him just run away from guys and was very aggressive with it. And I said, that's how you can make this team right there. And then I went on to see him make catches in practice. So he certainly caught my eye early on because you're always looking for that guy who's doing everything the right way and busting his you-know-what in the process. And he's been doing that. And Sammy gave him the best advice. That's just the start. Do yep. that for the next four weeks and beyond, and you can find yourself in a very advantageous spot. Maybe you make the 53-man roster, or at least you find yourself in a practice squad with a team who likes you because it all starts there, just having someone to like you and want to keep you around. But he certainly so far has done those things, Nathan, and I love what he had to say just about getting his priorities straight. Did you pick up where you had asked oh, him? Yeah. How he's been doing, and he said, I'm up to midnight studying my playbook. I love That's that. That's exactly what you want to hear. It is exactly what you want to hear. And how helpful is it to have somebody, in this case for him, a resource like his cousin Sammy Watkins, who's been in the league as a young player really trying to make it? That's huge because he can speak to him on the experience, what he may be thinking and going through at the time, and how you overcome those mental hurdles that will present themselves. And when you do have that semblance of success, to keep you humble to realize you have not arrived yet you have a long way to go in this process but i love the story the fact that he's in usfl so he's been doing nothing but playing ball of late so just keep on grinding but that's a tremendous help because again you have someone who's been through it knows what it's all about and knows what to expect so you're not walking into it blind all right let's go around the league now gerard we're going to start with the washington commanders the team the browns are playing this friday head coach ron rivera in public discussed the fact that multiple players had come to him about offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy's intensity, his practice intensity, the way he had spoken to some of the players, I guess, you know, kind of really giving them the business, reading the right act, being too tough on them. Okay, number one, what are your thoughts on just players saying that this coach is too tough on me? Is that possible? And, you know, how, let's start with that. And then the second part we'll get to is the head coach airing this laundry in the media. But let's start with just the original players going to their head coach to complain about Eric Bieniemy. Cottonelle, Charmin, what else can you think of the soft? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't even get that. He's and on top of that, how hard can these practices really be? You're not going through two double days, so what are you lamenting and complaining about for starters right there? So. I don't get it, Nate Dogg, and the fact that they didn't go to him but they went to the head coach, that is extremely suspect. How are you going to build trust between yourselves? And it had to be starters because no second yes. and third string guys are going to do that. So right there that poses a problem. Agreed, and so I think what, what's kind of come out as people have talked who understand Eric Bieniemy as coaching style, he's very hard on the players in the sense that he will be verbally very abrasive, like – Get this right, you beep, 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 you know. <laughs> so that's kind of, I think, and I think today's athlete is not as, 
Oh, and no. I don't think they should be, like, verbally abused. I think that would be awful. But I think it is a different world. And if you're a coach who has more of a Parcellian mindset, it's tough today, right? It, it certainly is. And coming from the Belichickian school of thought, which is right. a branch of Parcellianism, I've, I feel the following way. That, one, don't disrespect me and curse at me. Yep. Uh, that, that doesn't have to be the case. It's not so going to motivate anybody, about that. right? Right. So there's something to be said about that. But at the same time, just because you yell at me for my mistakes, I need to be stronger and tougher than that, that I don't fall apart and go run to the head coach because I don't like what you're saying. Let me be a man and go to you as a coach. Look, you can coach me hard, but you don't have to curse at me because I find it very disrespectful. And we do live in a different day and age because when I was coming through, it was clearly evident that there was no such thing as HR in the NFL world. Right. But now that may not be the case because you do take guys' feelings into consideration. All right, how surprised are you that Ron Rivera aired this in public? Shocked to a degree because here's what I start thinking. I start thinking, okay, Ron, do you think he's your heir apparent trying to take your jobs? So you're trying to cut him off at the knees already? He hired him. Well, that's the thing, though. Why did he hire him? And, yes, you're right, he hired him, but we never know the reasons why people hire people either. You know what I mean? Sometimes it could be because, and I don't know where they have a track record of coaching on the same teams together. Now, granted. Andy Reid and Ron Rivera are on a coaching staff together in Philadelphia, so I know where that stems from. So, obviously, Andy vouched for him, so that's a foot in the yep. door right there. But this definitely feels the, has all the sentiment and smell of a bad situation waiting to happen because you don't do that. You don't throw your coach under the bus, your coordinator under the bus, and in a lot of ways you threw the players under the bus. Yeah, not ideal. The Browns will see the Commanders this Friday at Cleveland Browns Stadium. Some ex-Browns in the news. Kareem Hunt did not sign with the New Orleans Saints. As previously reported, he's now visiting Indy, who apparently called the last second to offer him more money. Jadevian Clowney, who absolutely <laughs> can still go. There, there's a lot that comes with that, but he can still go. He visited the Baltimore Ravens today, and John Johnson III signed back with the Rams. Fans, the Browns need your help picking the field design for the 2023 season. All fans are encouraged to vote to decide what design and logo will be featured at midfield at Cleveland Browns Stadium. So visit clevelandbrowns.com slash fieldvote to cast your vote today. When we come back, stock up, step up, final thoughts. We get ready for preseason game number two on the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns. Radio Network. For me, I'm just trying to make the right decision for each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Back by popular demand from your favorite four-legged companion, it's year two of Barking Backers presented by Milkbone, the fan club for dogs. View membership options and join today at BarkingBackers.com. All right, Nathan Zagura, Gerard Cherry, getting you ready Friday night at 7.30, Cleveland Browns Stadium, the Browns, the Commanders, preseason game number two. Our pregame show will get you ready all along the University Hospital Cleveland Brown Radio Network at 3.30 p.m. All right, Gerard, as we get ready for this, whose stock is up? Heading into preseason game number two. No, it's really easy to assert that. You got Demetri Felton, stock up. Kelly, stock up. Watkins, Austin, stock up. And DTR, stock up. Yeah, a lot of those young guys. I'll even add another young guy and a veteran. Stock up, Dewan Jones. Big Thanos, impressive debut for the Browns <laughs> at right tackle. And then also Jordan Kunashik, the veteran. He is beloved by coaches, teammates, Everybody, he continues to go out there and ball out. Jason Tarver today said that it feels like every rep Kunashik takes is teaching tape. So, obviously, his stock is up for the Cleveland Browns. All right, step-up time, Gerard. What do you need to see on Friday? 
Uh, it's really simple. I want to see the special teams unit do a much better job from the kicking game, kickoff return, kickoff coverage, punt return, punt coverage, as well as the field goal unit step up. You have way too good of a coach, a guy who's done it at the highest levels and knows what he's talking about and can teach it, giving you tutelage. You have to step up and put out a better brand of special teams play come this Friday. Yeah, I agree with you, Gerard. That was kind of one of the, the down spots for the Cleveland Browns. And I'll go dive into special teams. Cade York, everything's got to go through the uprights so that we have that confidence going into week one when we open the season in our division against the Bengals, then Monday night football at the Pittsburgh Steelers, then week four against Baltimore Ravens that we know you are a weapon. And he's had such a good offseason. He's had a lot of promise, a lot of flash, but that miss, definitely a little concerning game one. So step up to Cade York. All right, again, 7.30 this Friday, the Browns and the Commanders, 3.30. We kick off the coverage for you with the pregame show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. For our coordinating producer, Meredith Kane, for our executive producer, Jason Gibbs, and assistant to the executive producer, Uno, I'm Nathan Zagura. On behalf of Gerard Cherry, thanking you for listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Join us next week at this time for more from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.